Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who, if combined, would make one hell of a woodworker. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. Welcome to Wood Talk. It is show number 452 for November 5th, 2018. And on today's show, we're talking about storing lumber, radial arm saws, and a question that I don't think Matt put the summary in at the top for me, so I'm just going to fill this time with nonsense. What are you talking about? You, you picked the question for me. I didn't even see it. Yeah, but it's still your job to populate this part I of the spreadsheet. Come you on. I it in there. It's from the Patreon questions. Uh, this guy. This guy. I don't even I don't have access board, to those. Man. What do I pay you for? Nothing. nothing. You pay for nothing. Evidently. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I pay you exactly nothing for you nothing. For. <laughs> you get nothing, sir. All right. Well, this wonderful mess of ours here that is known as Wood Talk is sponsored by Brusso Hardware. They are the premier manufacturer of American-made brass and stainless steel hardware. You can use Brusso hardware on a variety of projects, including boxes, furniture, and cabinetry. Brusso always has the perfect hardware solution for your next masterpiece. Sign up for their newsletter and keep up with the latest sales, announcements, customer-submitted photos, and more. To see their line of hardware, visit brusso.com and use the code WOODTALK at checkout to get 10% off your order. And I should specify, this is a one-time thing. You can't keep reusing that, uh, as far as I understand it. Once you use it once and it's tied to your account, uh, you can't use it again. So I just want to make sure people totally understand that. Um, and by the way, I, I did some, uh, I'll talk about it on what's on a bench. I did a little organization and in one of my drawers, all of my extra Brusso stuff is in that drawer. So there's like a bunch of Brusso labels all over the place. I didn't even think about it, uh, but it's usually just like one hinge because I'll buy extra. And especially when they have these sales once in a while, I don't know when the next one is, but you guys know the sales I'm talking about where it's like, basically buy one, get one free or something like that uh, when we stock up. So I've got like extra Brusso hardware sitting around. Uh, that's just nice to have, but I got a lot of comments on it just because it's it's such high quality hardware. It's definitely something, if you can, when it's on sale, stock up because you'll eventually use the stuff. Yeah, I'm uh, swimming also like in the, knife hinges after the last sale. I think I have like That's <laughs> right, man. Eight or uh, you nine did stock up, didn't you? Right life. If you're going to stock up on anything, good knife hinges, that's the one you want to do. 
All right, so we want to thank some folks who helped us out over on Patreon, and that's patreon.com slash woodtalk. And let's see, who do we have? Chris Krause, Scott Sutcliffe, Sutcliffe Michael Rowan, Clark Swenson, uh, Spencer Sevison, and Nathaniel Abel. And thank you so much, guys, for helping us out. We really appreciate it. Uh, Patreon is where you can go to support the show. You get a priority service for your questions. We always check there first when we pick questions for the show. And you can get some cool stuff in return, like T-shirts, stickers, all that good stuff. So patreon.com slash woodtalk. Now we can get into what's on the bench. I need a wood talk for sticker. me. I don't think I have a wood talk. You want talk one? Sticker. I'll send you one. Uh, actually, I don't have any. I'll have my mom send you one. <laughs> I, you know what? The funny thing is we're probably going to like, we need new stickers because I think we're going to have a logo change pretty soon. So I got to get, I got to get all these old ones out. Yeah. The new one's good. Gotta, it's, it's cool. I, I like got to talk to your mom. It's been a while since I've talked to her. You should give her a call. You know, I haven't talked to your mom in like two years. That's true. <laughs> I've talked to your dad more recently. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was trying to get on the show and I was like, no daddy. No. Uh, all right. <laughs> okay. So let's get into what's on the bench. Um, you know, I'm, I'm building this bunk bed thing and it's just been this war of where my brain wants to be and where my brain needs to be. And I still am on the organizational kick so every time I get like a bug up my butt to do something and organize something, I focus on that and I stop working on the bunk bed and poor Mateo, poor kid's like sleeping on the floor. He's got nowhere to sleep because he doesn't have a bunk bed. It's not true. He actually does have a bed, but <laughs> I just, I just keep getting distracted. So I, I, I looked at all of my dominoes. So if anyone uses the domino, you know how once you get a pretty good selection of the domino tenons, they come in all different shapes and sizes and species and it becomes a mess. And it's actually a little bit tricky to like, if you have them all together, it's ridiculously difficult to read the writing on them to figure out exactly what size you have. Uh, and that tool is, is based around getting the right bit with the right setting. And if you don't have it all set up, it all goes to hell. So I basically just built this little organizer inside of one of my new drawers in the new shop cabinets and uh, pretty simple, just half inch MDF held together with hot glue. <laughs> so it's like, we're not talking about real fancy stuff here. Uh, but all of my dominoes are now like perfectly organized and it, it, it just, it, it makes me very happy. Sometimes I just go in there, I pull the drawer out and I just look at it <laughs> just like with a little grin on my face. It's very exciting to me. So that's been distracting me from the bunk bed. Uh, but as a result of the distraction, which I would recommend not doing to other people, um, I made a mistake on the bunk bed. So no. one of <laughs> But that way, but you know, it always happens with this damn domino. Anyone who uses that thing, like, you know how easy you get a little is, too right? cocky, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's so easy that you could very easily put mortises where you shouldn't put mortises. So I did that twice, and now I've got a repair to do on there. So I'll be looking forward to that probably this afternoon. But it's so, so easy to plug those mortises, so just have it, at it. Just it is if you That's want a, a giant chunk of end grain looking at you with a, with a very visible border. <laughs> That's yeah, the problem. Maybe you do. If it's, if it's in a spot, you're not going to see fine. This Purple is in heart. a very visible location. Purple heart. Well, yeah, I do have some, uh, Macassar ebony that, uh, my buddy Vic Hubbard gave me when I was in Seattle. There maybe I go. use some of that, but go. I actually am going to route out a, probably a half inch channel to go right over these two mortises, uh, and then just pop in a piece of alder, you know, probably as close as I can get to the grain color and, and grain pattern pop that in there for a much more invisible solution <laughs> than just domino and grain. 
That so, is a, yeah. as a side pro tip is why I like keep all of my offcuts. Like until the project has the finish dry and moved out of the shop, yeah. every last offcut, it just goes in a pile. It's usually a very unglamorous pile in the corner of the shop, even like 10 inch mm-hmm. cheeks and stuff, because you can't get a better grain match than the board you just cut it away from. And I'm always patching stuff because I seem to be always so screwing true. stuff up. <laughs> Dude, you should see the area around my table saw. It, it's a, I'll send you a picture later. It is a giant mess of just off cuts, little slivers of wood, everything from this project. So I should be able to find something uh, that's a pretty close match for, for, you know, for my, uh, my seven year old child and his discerning tastes in, in wood grain and color matching. In other words, he will have no idea. Hey, <laughs> I can fill it he with is your child. So, you know, that, that's yeah, true. Point. but I honestly, I think I could fill it with purple Play-Doh and he probably wouldn't even notice. Ooh. Be awesome. Okay. Maybe you can leave it open. He can fill fill up himself with purple play-doh. That could be the yeah. new river table trend. Purple oh, play-doh. <laughs> Poor. Yeah, there you go. We should start something. You're with a that. trendsetter. Oh, it was it was pretty funny on Instagram. I had storied this uh issue and talking about what I, I could fill it with dominoes, but I'm probably just gonna do the proper repair. And I can't it's funny when people take it to like uh, the nth degree and someone is like, Well, you know what you could do. You could attach a door, put a hinge and have a swing away door with a something for a built in flashlight and blah, blah, LED. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. There's just two Great holes idea. that I need to fill. <laughs> like, how did we get into installing a flux capacitor on this? <laughs> like, hey, they're not bunk beds without Bluetooth. All right. That's true. And then, of course, now because of that, as I make fun of the guy, I go, I'm like, Nicole, is there anything like, I don't know, LED lights, Wi-Fi? you know, like something I need to put into this bed that he'd really appreciate. And she's like, no, just build the damn bed. Get it done. No, <laughs> There's nothing you can do. No. Like a reading He'll light. Appreciate nothing. Like a, yeah. That's about it. A reading light and then move on. Uh, well, speaking of moving on, Matt, what do you got going on? Oh, I'm getting pretty close to the, uh, the final little bit of the sideboard, which feels pretty good. You know, it's always like, I don't know, climbing a mountain kind of, and you're like, Oh, almost there mm-hmm. finally, which is, which is nice. Got the shelves installed this week which was pretty quick and i've been kind of getting a head start here on the doors and once those doors are on there i just got to make some knobs that's about it i think yeah you uh tur- turning your own for that yeah i don't know if i want to like them or not but because we're doing the shaker inspired thing i'm going to show how to turn shaker knobs yeah which classic is like, little shaker knob yeah like the easiest turning probably ever Mm-hmm. I hope I say that now, but I'm not that great of a turner. We'll see. We'll see. You'll have to do 10 of them before you film it. I'm going to go down to the hardware store and buy like a pre-made one. This copy it. Yeah. Like here's the, like his bolt with the yeah. shaker stuff. Like the, the shaker knob is pretty easy to get, but if you're using a different species than typically is used, then you're kind of asked, you know, out of luck. Right. Yeah. So you're kind of be, you're going to be probably turning your own or, or something if you want to use those, but I'm, I'm not sure if I'm actually going to use actually... them on mine. Um, they're in proportion to the drawer too. You'll see the knobs are not all the same yeah. size and some of mm-hmm. those, I mean, it depends upon the piece, but like some of those, like, you know, 11 drawer chests where they graduate and they get smaller as they go up, the knobs do the same mm-hmm. thing. It's pretty cool looking. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. Well, yours are all the same though, right? <laughs> they're all the yeah. same. Yeah. It's all they're uniform. All yeah. Unless I do different size on the doors versus the drawers, I guess, but I don't, <clears> I don't really, I don't know. I recommend you use sure a if or not. Don't a chuck. Yeah. Yeah, well, of course, I'm thinking, you know, to, to finish the end. But yeah, I, I did them um, kind of like almost like a um, like a bottle stopper, you know, where I actually screwed it into um, oh. a little. Uh, what's it called? Thread, threaded chuck um, that I use for bottle stoppers. And it actually worked out really well. 
Nice. Yeah, I'm just going to chuck it up and go. Chuck it up and go. And then uh, how many do you have to make? Uh, seven? Seven. You got to get seven of them to look the same. Or yeah. close enough. Close enough. If I even end up using them, because I'm not even sure if I... I'm kind of like a little far away from like classic shaker at this point. And yeah, and mm. uh, stretched it, might, it a little bit. It might not even look that good with the round knobs on there, but we'll see. <laughs> That's okay. Shaker is like, you know, it's like a blank canvas in a lot of ways. And I think you can kind of stretch it and take it into different directions, like stylistically that still look really good. Well, yeah, I say, I say go for it. Hopefully I, I have done that. Yeah, and with I all think, that crazy crotch grain and everything, I think right. a, a traditional shaker would be like, <laughs> El Diablo! Right. Yeah, what you should do is take that bucket exactly. of brass, brass shavings that you had yeah. from Dima's hammers and yep. cast that into knobs. I could do that. And then, and then if you're lucky, someone will freeboot your video on uh, Facebook and then you could read all of the great comments. Oh my God, <laughs> it's so bad. And like, you think YouTube comments are bad. Facebook comments are the absolute worst. When the average person is commenting on a like a fairly deep level thing that's going on for a craftsperson, it's hilarious. Like so, if if you don't know what we're talking about, um, Matt had his brass mallet video, so he was making a little brass mallet handle uh, among out other of brass, videos. <laughs> right? Yeah, and out of uh, oh yeah, the box video too. <laughs> um, but basically, you use the brass shavings, cast in resin, and and made the handle out of that. But the comments on this thing, <laughs> it really makes you scared for the future of, of, of our planet. If these are the people who are populating it, uh, <laughs> it's really bad. The, the ones that are my, probably like my favorite, the really speculative ones. So like I have a few of my Samo videos that have been, have that happened to, and there's some people on there like really speculative about like why I'm putting water on these slabs. Like it's some kind of magical art to make them dry better. Or like they're talking about how like some, <laughs> person that they knew they used to saw wood that's like 80 years old was talking about how they have to do that first to kind of equalize the moisture content before you can set them up to dry like where do you come up with these things where where are these rumors like originating from that people are like i know what i'm talking about and it's like they're not like even like speculating to the point where they're like yes i'm speculating maybe it's this no it's like i know this is a fact i'm telling you like it's a fact this Quiet. is uh, that's, in, that's when your um, internet smart is is what that is. <laughs> there were a lot of internet smart people, but uh, I like the ones who tell you you're you're basically just because you're cutting tree material, you're destroying the planet. <laughs> that's my favorite. I'm contributing to deforestation. That's my, those right. are my favorites. <laughs> Meanwhile, most of these are fallen trees, you know, from an urban source. Like, it's like <laughs> it's someone like... removed from their yard because it was too close to their house. Like, what do you want me yeah. to say? Replant if, if anything, you yeah, gotta you, replant you, that. This is better than a wood chipper, right? <laughs> uh, you gotta figure. It is. It is funny. So if you could find those links, go to go to Matt's Facebook page. You could probably find him linking to it or discussing it. It's it's definitely worth a uh, you know at least five minutes of your time <laughs> digging through comments. Actually, you know what? The only really good one is the high boy. People love that thing on Facebook. Oh yeah. Like nice. there's no real negative comments in there. There's, a, there's like a ridiculous amount of praise. It's crazy. Oh, that's good. That's weird. I wonder what the magic like formula is there Hi to boy. achieve that. That's the magic formula. <laughs> Hi boy. Hi boy. There it you is. Just Hi boy is always the answer. All right, Shannon. So I see you, you brought uh, you got a new car. <laughs> I did a new Chevrolet. <laughs> got a new Chevrolet. Um, nice. Doesn't need gas or oil though. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's foot powered. It's a Fred Flintstone Chevrolet. Very Pretty economical. Off. It's a Tesla. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sure. It is a Chevrolet, or um, I guess 
roughly translated to marketry easel. So we have talked several times on the show about how one of the drawbacks of kind of the whole content creation thing is a lot of times your own development tends to kind of go on hold. And I have dabbled and played around with double bevel marketry. I've even done marketry on like a little marketry horse, just using a fret saw that didn't go very well. (laughs) I'll just, just throw that out there. Um, But, you know, um, Patrick Edwards, the the old brown glue guy, the American School of French marketry guy, he's been talking up Chevrolets for a long time now. And if you don't know, Chevrolets is uh, a frame saw that is held exactly 90 degrees to a set of jaws um, that hold like a little packet of, of veneer. And you can saw out really, really intricate marquetry. And because that frame saw is held at exactly 90 degrees, you know, you, you don't have the, the the double bevel thing going on, but you're also using a really, really fine blade. And essentially the gap just disappears when you glue it all together. So it's a, you know, a very old method of cutting marquetry. But, and again, from my understanding, because as of yet, my only experience on this Chevrolet has just been tuning it and getting the blade aligned. I have not yet. You, you, made un- a, you unboxed it. That's something. Well, I put it together. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I, I, before we started recording here, I've just made my test cuts to make sure that it's perfectly aligned and spot on and everything. So I'll be playing right there this weekend. But my understanding anyway, is it is kind of the Ferrari of marquetry tools. It's really even though it's fully hand-powered, a lot of folks will claim that it's even better than like an electric scroll saw just because of the way it positions it. It's right up in front of your face. It's, you know, uh, the packet is positioned vertically, so the saw just, just falls out. And, you know, supposedly it's just really, really accurate. For me, being a hand tool guy, I, you know, gravitated towards it anyway. I mean, I had a scroll saw for years. That was the double bevel work that I did. The problem I always had with double bevel is like you always have to cut it the same way. And if you ever flip the packet, you know, you're screwed because now the bevel's going the wrong way. You have to constantly be thinking about, am I going around the outside of a curve, the inside of a curve? Where do I, where's that bevel falling? Plus, not that I've ever done anything that intricate, but the really, really intricate stuff, that bevel actually, you know, if you're cutting really, really fine cuts, that slight angle makes things a little bit difficult um, if you're trying to cut in between something. Because essentially, even though the blade itself is really small, the angle it's cutting is essentially creating almost a wider curve. It's, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain, but um, because again, <laughs> my experience in the realm is, is is very light at this point, but I'm just really excited. You know, it's, it's something I've wanted <clears throat> to do for a while and I'm just going to kind of jump in with both feet. I kept wanting to take a class out in San Diego and it just kept not happening. And before I knew it, five years have gone by. So um, <laughs> I called Dave Clark over at um, ChevyKits.com or Chevrolet Kits, excuve me, here I go again, <laughs> ChevroletKits.com. <laughs> Dave I actually- I excited. <laughs> yeah, right. Dave started working with Patrick and uh, Patrick Edwards and has become kind of the official supplier of these things. Um, and mm-hmm. actually, I was really shocked at the turnaround. I think it was only about a month and a half um, to, to make this thing. And, you know, a lot of that was waiting on the beach to show up because- if you remember from a previous lumber industry updates, a European beach has been kind of slow. So he was waiting for like five weeks on the beach to show up. And then it was like, before I knew it, a couple of weeks later, he's like, yeah, I'm just finishing up next week and I'll ship it out to you. It's so it's a, it's an awesome machine. It was really cool to put it together just to see, you know, he builds this stuff with a CNC. So it's like pretty much totally interchangeable parts. 
but like the instructions to put it all together took, you know, probably about an hour. I mean, it in real time took longer because I had to let some glue dry in a couple places, but yeah, I'm, I'm just really thrilled, ready to kind of jump into this. So, you know, Mark, if you screw up your bunk bed, a solution could be to put like a little, you know, woodpecker marquetry over top of that hole and you'd be good to go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm to hop in my Chevrolet and do some marquetry. Yeah. A woodpecker that has like an LED light up beak. Yeah. And yeah. also serves as a beer fridge. Yeah. <laughs> See? For, now we're really for my thinking. Seven year old child. Um, okay, cool. That sounds good, man. Treating yourself. I like it. Treat yourself. All right, so uh, let's get into our kickback. Probably spend a little time here today. Uh, so last show, we had a little discussion about, how, you know, how much we've changed or maybe have not changed over the course of the years and, and what the impact of that was. I have to say that we actually got probably the most feedback we've had on anything in the last year on this, uh, from, from emails to comments to just general, you know, commentary on, like, Instagram. Um, this really hit home with a lot of people, and... I'm glad to say, I mean, almost unanimously, everything was positive. Folks were just like, look, you know, the show offers different things to different people. Maybe it just doesn't agree with, with someone's personality and that's perfectly fine, but that doesn't mean that what you guys are doing is bad in any way. Um, most people are kind of favorable to the sort of cantankerous, you know, possibly, uh, you know, snarky approach that we might have to things, but that it's all in generally meant in good fun and that we do try to be as helpful as we possibly can. Uh, and also folks just kind of agreeing that the, the show is at an all time high in terms of participation and people having fun. Um, so I think what this means is, uh, this is kind of permission for us to tell people to just kind of piss off, you know, <laughs> when we don't, when we is don't that agree with it? what they're saying. Uh, uh, yeah. That, that's, that's my interpretation. The, the world according to Mark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so again, this is not, uh, I didn't want this to be a like gang up on what's the guy's name, Matt. I think it was that wrote in last week. Um, but and again, not to, second. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, not you. Not <laughs> you. We, we know you love the show. You're like the biggest fanboy. It's true of the show. Uh, but I think, you know, not to, to, to jump down his throat on this, but you know, maybe yeah, the bottom line is it's his opinion. He's entitled to an opinion and I hope he continues to listen and see the show for the, the evolution that's occurred and see that we do indeed love it and that we are, uh, you know, as helpful as we could possibly be. Um, but comparing us to like the tattoo A-listers is hilarious because I actually, I know tattoos. <laughs> I know people who who do tattoos and he's right. There's a lot of ego and a lot of secret keeping. And I think this show has been exactly the opposite of that for the last 10 years. We're trying to divulge every secret we possibly have to make people go, wow, that's a good tip. I'm going to listen again. <laughs> like the whole right. point is for us to give that information out. So, well, I mean, uh, okay. I, I, if, if I may, I just wanted to throw in, I was saying to the guys before, um, some of the comments that a lot of them were positive. There's just a few that were a little negative. And I did take some of those negative ones to heart because, mm -mm. you know, I don't, I don't want to hear that someone feels like we didn't answer a question or someone feels like we were being a jerk. That's the last thing, the last impression I want to give. But at the same time, Wood Talk is my snarky hour of the week. <laughs> it's like, you know, you behave all week long and, you know, Wood Talk is just an opportunity to, to be real. And, you know, not that, well, I guess that makes me sound like I really am a jerk, I guess. All right. I'm just going to shut up then. Never mind. <laughs> well, I mean, calling a spade a spade here. Um, you call me? <clears throat> Don't class yeah. at me, bro. I called you Kate Spade. Oh, okay. um, all right. She's dead. That's really sad. Maybe that was a bad example. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. So the first two comments here are kind of in the same vein. And actually 
not all good. Um, but I thought it was, you know, it's good to have both, both sides of the, uh, argument and opinion here. Uh, so Matt, why don't you take on this first one? Uh, I got it. This is from William. He says, kick back on how you've changed. I haven't been listening since the beginning, but I've been listening long enough to know why I continue to do so. It's because I enjoy your personalities. At this point, you guys could switch to talking about just about anything. And I would still listen each week. In part, I think it's because I, for better or worse, can easily relate to you guys. Roughly the same age group, same dark, smart-ass sense of humor. <laughs> but beyond that, it seems like you guys genuinely enjoy joking around with each other. If you weren't having fun, I think this show would suffer for it. So let's try not to screw that up. <laughs> All right. We did try to screw it up by doing weekend shows and multiple shows a week. That was a great way to screw up the flow of the show. <laughs> but we fixed that. Uh, it's good to know, though, that, that he'll listen to anything, because I think we need to start a new podcast that's called uh, Quitting, Knitting, and Spitting. Nah, that, I'm good. Sound good? I'm good no? with the one. Okay. <laughs> All right, so here's a little bit of negative feedback, and we won't dwell on this too long because we have other things to get to. Um, but uh, let's see. Nate wrote in. He says, I was just listening to the latest podcast, and I thought I would throw out my two cents a while back. I had asked a question, and you mentioned it on the show. I was super excited to hear my question getting answered, so I grabbed my daughter. Uh, see, that's the first mistake you made, <laughs> Nate. <laughs> the, flag, keep your daughter, keep your daughter away from this piece of crap show of ours. Uh, and he told her that they were answering my question. It was something to Cremona about his neighbor minding if his sawmill or some, I'm having trouble reading this. Mind his sawmill. Oh, if his neighbors mind his sawmill and a few other things about moving. He was honestly kind of a jerk in the reply and was like, that's episode blah, blah. And that other part was on some other episode. My daughter was like, daddy, that guy was a jerk to you. I don't like him. (laughs) I'm sorry, but that makes me laugh. I didn't take it personal as I know you, how you guys are, but you guys do need to understand that we have jobs as well. We have families and yes, we like to make stuff out of wood. So we can't always watch every episode of ask Matt and we don't remember every little thing you say. So I guess my feedback is keep in mind that not everyone knows what you guys know and uh, make sure you understand that if your dream job is creating content for people on YouTube, you should try not to insult them on your shows, Cremona and Shannon. <laughs> put that in brackets. Now, Shannon, you're, you're in the crosshairs here. <laughs> it's like, and he, he continues on. <laughs> Leave me alone, man. <laughs> the thing I learned the most, and actually this is where things get really satisfying for me personally. Oh, jeez. The thing I learned the most from asking my question was never ask another question on this podcast, LOL. Also, Mark, you're a great teacher and very patient. I think the other two kind of need to learn from you more. Oh, boy. Uh, Mark, you haven't changed. You seem like the same guy over time. Thanks for the time. I've, I got to say, in spite of the little bit of negativity there, I love this piece of feedback. I bet you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on away from that. <laughs> this is. This I think is, this goes down to what we were talking about before. We even mentioned it. Uh, where our reactions sometimes to to a question it may be in that area of like you, Shannon, you brought it up that sort of exasperation at, at having answered this question before, sure. or having covered it in a fairly high profile way, and just assuming everybody sees these things. And, and there, I think there is a nugget, and I'm guilty of this too. He didn't throw me under the bus, but I'm absolutely guilty of thinking everyone should go back and do a search on my site before they ask me a question. And I, I mean, that's a reasonable thing to do. But walk in their shoes, not everyone has time or wants to think. We, we make ourselves accessible, and they should be able to ask questions that have been asked before. 
So, you know, it's a little bit of understanding. Hopefully he understands the position we're in and why we might feel a certain way. And we could likewise understand why a listener uh, might feel a certain way or not have the time to dig back into our libraries. Sure. Absolutely. I think that's fair. I don't want to dig we'll back definitely. into my own library. So <laughs> let alone Matt's. Is, or is dirty and dusty in there? Get out of my library. I do go back to the early Wood Whisperer ones, though. I like to watch the Lumber Lumberyard episode just because Nicole is just awesome in that. And yeah. uh, there's a couple really, not not so early ones, but basically all the cross-dressing episodes, I like to watch those. Well, look, look. Those let's, are the good ones. Let's talk about that, all right, for a second. I actually just had this conversation with Nicole, and I'm like, listen, it's amazing that enough time has gone by that the social acceptance of certain jokes has shifted to a degree and that I actually no longer feel comfortable with that, that video that I have of me in the nightgown doing the, the, the one 900 thing. And here's the thing. I have, I have gay family members who I love dearly. And because of that, I've been sort of pushed into a lot of, uh, you know, I guess you would say gay culture, if you will. I'm very comfortable with this and I am comfortable joking around with, with my brother and other family members. So it's something that I felt comfortable making a little bit um, of a joke about a cross-dressing man. The problem is in the last, especially last few years, there's just been a lot more social awareness, um, uh, you know, of transgendered uh, people. And now suddenly I look at that as the guy who made the stupid joke. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even though I still feel like, I don't know, like, I don't know. I was comfortable with the joke. I'm no longer comfortable with people seeing me make that joke. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually at the point that I'm going to edit that video to remove that. And it's not because anyone gave me crap about it. It's just because I don't feel comfortable with that being out there because sensitivities on that stuff have changed so much. Uh, and I think the right, the right thing to do is to it's remove it. Up. So you're so dude, It's amazing. A little bit. Yeah. At 41 years old. Never um, thought it would happen. No. But I'm actually, you know, I'm going back and reevaluating some of these things because I'm just like, man, that makes me uncomfortable that people are watching this. <laughs> so. You're like the 26-year-old kid trying to apply for his first job out of college who didn't think about social media prior to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, were, were you, uh, is this you snorting cocaine off the, the back of an exotic dancer? No, no, that wasn't me. It just looks like me. Okay, anyway. All right. Uh, Shannon, you're up. <clears throat> this is from John Kodaski. He says, not a question, but rather a compliment. Ooh, goody. Earlier today, I commented on one of Mark's Facebook posts and he responded. I know to all of you, that's a routine thing for me. And I'm sure many others, I have a tremendous amount of respect and appreciation for you and your time. 
I've commented on both Matt and Shannon's posts before, and both have done the same things and left a personal response for me. On the last episode of Wood Talk, you denied being celebrities. We did? I, I don't deny that. I understand how you <laughs> should see. All about see <laughs> there's the snark again. I can't help it. Uh, I understand how you'd feel that way, but no, many of us out there understand the value of your time and expertise. When you take time to respond to us one-on-one, it is much appreciated. There's a, there are always obligatory thanks for not quitting comments, but know that I and many others really look forward to the show and enjoy the discussions. Even if you are beating a dead horse or if you leave mid-show to pick up your kids, I'll still listen to the end. <laughs> thanks for all you do. I gotta do what I gotta do, man. <laughs> you, know, you know what? I need to listen to the last part of that show. I, I can't imagine what that train wreck sounds like. Well, you guys did fine until it was time to end the show. <laughs> and then, then you were like uh, two 16-year-old lovers who can't get off the phone. No, you well, hang up. Yeah, it was one of those. Okay, no, you hang up. You, you look, go back and listen to it. I was, I listened to it in the shop, and I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh, well, thanks for that, John. And here's the thing: for anyone who who does post comments and we don't answer, please understand it's not a deliberate thing. It's just that there's only so many things that we can reply to. But I'm glad John uh, had good experiences with all of us. Copy and paste. I it appreciate and post that it again. comment. Because I think we've all been in that situation where you've replied to somebody, you know, and you get a response back from, you know, that celebrity person or somebody you just Mm -hmm. respect. And it means a lot. So I I, I appreciate hearing the other side of that. It's a little humbling, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's cool. Even if it's like an emoticon response, letting them know you saw it, you could just say thank you so much. You know, just the little thank you hands that look like praying hands. You know what I'm talking about? Say thank you. Anyway, (laughs) Uh, who's up next? Do you have two in a row here, Shannon? I I guess you do. Oh yeah. Look at that. Okay. Well, this one's Ah. quick. It's from Matt. He says, thanks for answering my lacquer question. Uh, I've got to say, as I was only really introduced to lacquer, um, I didn't realize how harmful it could be in the shop. We have a downtrap booth, but I'd never seen anyone put on one of those paper respirators. I'll probably continue using it, but I'll definitely start using more personal safety protection. So if you guys remember, this was Matt who asked, why don't we ever talk about lacquer? And he's been using lacquer in a professional shop. This is actually a really good point because I've, I run into this a lot in, in my day job with contractors like, what do you mean safety? I don't need that or that. And it's because they have these like incredible, like, you know, there's no substitution for the personal safety stuff, but like downdraft tables, both for sanding, for finish, incredible ventilation, like these clean room type setups and everything that basically whisk away all the nasty stuff before it even gets an inch away from the project. Um, mm-hmm. It's a good point. You don't even think about it. And then you go home and you're like, you know, you're doing your own job and you realize I don't, I don't put on safety gear and I've been doing this for 40 years. Well, yeah, we don't all I have, thought it was just because they had really dense nose hair. Well, yeah. <laughs> or there's been enough brain cells killed off by those fumes that it, they just don't really, you know, what's the point anymore? Why say they don't anymore? notice it? <laughs> okay. So next one here is from Wayne. He says shop layout question. What's her question in kickback shop layout. Yeah, I don't know. Uh-huh. Okay. We'll see. What are the, uh, What are these hobbyist woodworkers doing in their small shops where shop layout is a concern? In my 12 by 30 basement shop, I can move from one machine to another without a thought. Uh, If it were a commercial shop, I would understand. Lumber rack to cross cut saw to joiner to rip saw to joinery bench to sanding to assembly back to sanding then to finishing. My shop layout is all about mobile bases, shallow labeled drawers and returning tools to their homes before during and after a session in the shop. My humble opinion, organization and cleanup in a small shop is more important than how your tools are laid out. I'm not really sure there's a question there. 
we'll just maybe let that stand as Wayne's comment. <laughs> the it's, statement it's with question marks. We talked about we talked about shop layout on one of the shows and like the best way to lay out the shop. And he's saying your priorities are wrong, kid. Don't worry about layout. Yeah, I can I can see where he's saying in a really small well, shop you don't really have sure. a lot of options. You yeah, know, well, he's right with the mobile bases. Everything's got to be mobile. Right. And, and the flow from one tool to the other is like a step. So, yeah. you know, what your layout is, is not really important, but more organizing and, and like putting stuff away and where the tools are. I can, I can see what he's saying. That makes sense. Uh, I see. I see where we're going with that. So you don't understand <laughs> right, so, because you have those like 90,000 square foot shop things. And yeah, listen, the rest of the, I have to the take 99%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're just jealous of my shop golf cart. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> shop golf cart. So look, it's a long walk between a table saw and the front door. Uh, okay, so we got a, two voicemails to get through here. First one is, uh, it's really compelling. Take a listen. Hi, this is Kyle Black, uh, Triwood guy, calling with some kickback on the episode uh, Mark Says No on the topic of using glue as uh, a finish. Uh, I was building some cubbies in an apartment that we were having, that we lived in. That's it. Oh. <laughs> ah. That was it. I, th- I thought it would be fun to play that. Uh, Kyle, <laughs> oh, you did wanna... you? <laughs> yeah, did. I did. I thought it would be a good idea. Ah. Kyle, if you want to call back and leave us the rest of that comment, that'd be, that'd be great. I don't know what happened, but it got cut off. Okay. Let's see. Voicemail number two here is a kickback. Oh, oh, I like this one because we really did not give a good answer to this question. That's the uh, planter box preparation. Hello, gentlemen. This is Mike from Southern Arizona. Uh, a couple weeks ago, there was a guy who called about a wooden planters and putting dirt in it, and he was concerned. What I've used is Spectricide pruning sealer. It's a basically spray tar in a can. It works really well in planters I've used to keep the moisture off of the wood itself, and they seem to last a long time. Thanks for not quitting. Bye. That's a good tip. Mm, Good idea. Does it work as a finish? (laughs) (laughs) I guess. Is that more of a spray-on or a wipe-on finish? I would say it's definitely spray. I actually have used that for pruning operations and things like around the property, and it works okay for that. So I, it's, it's a kind of an interesting option, but I wonder like chemically does, is there anything leaching into the soil? But I don't know. Well, if you're just, cause you're supposed to spray it like on the tree. Like when you cut off a branch, you spray it directly yeah. into the tree. seems to yeah. me it would be okay for the soil. Maybe Shannon, maybe you could use, I'm not a plant ology guy. Ooh. You could use like <laughs> nitro seal or something. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, nothing but high quality information coming. The word is botanist, Mark. Uh, Plant, plant, plant assist. Um, Okay, so hey, if you want to leave us voicemails, uh, of course you could send us those emails too. But uh, voicemails are always fun. Use your voice memo app on your phone and just send those to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. And now let's get into our lumber lumber update, which is completely and uh, totally focused around a kickback. So first, we have to play this. Shannon's Lumber Industry Update. All right, so I'm just going to go right into the voicemail from Jacob here. 
Hey guys, I got some kickback for you uh, relating to the episode Mark's dad calls a hundred times and he doesn't know how to use the mute button. Uh, specifically though, uh, Shannon's lumber industry update where he made the comments uh, about woodworkers who would choose not to buy certain species because of the concern they have about its effect on the environment uh, where he said something along the lines of, I hate to break it to you, but the tree's been felled, the board's been cut, you can't take that board and put it back up into a tree. Uh, a comment which struck me as rather ignorant AF, as they would say, uh, and the reason for that would be four words, macroeconomics, supply and demand, where the supply either rises or adjusts to meet a specific demand. Now, I anticipate his response to this would be that woodworkers amount to such a tiny, tiny amount of business uh, for lumber yards, but that's where the macroeconomics comes in. So take that small percentage of business being woodworkers, and let's say even just 1% of that business chooses not to buy specific species because of said concern, well, multiply that over the entire population of woodworkers, and then further multiply that over time, you end up with forests, perhaps, forests and forests of lumber that's not being consumed because those suppliers adjust to meet a slightly, yes, slightly uh, decreased um, demand. So uh, thanks again for the episodes. I really enjoy it. Uh, later. Okay. I can't wait. Later. Okay. Let's later, Steve. <clears throat> In the interest of dialing back the snark, I will say. I was, I, I I was thinking, actually, is this going to be where Shannon dispels the rumor of him being a jerk? Or is he going to dig the hole a little bit deeper? No, it'll probably end up the latter. But hoping for the let latter, me first yeah. apologize to you, Jacob. <laughs> The your point about my comment about it's already felled, you can't put it back in the tree. You are absolutely right. However, that was not my intention of saying that, and I didn't make that clear. My point about the lumber's already, you know, it's not in a tree anymore. You can't put it back. I was referring specifically to when material has been seized and it gets like carted off into like the Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse, and it just <laughs> sits there, you know, and it's 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 now just dying. It's not doing anything. That's the part that, that, uh, that I was referring to. And I didn't make that clear. And I, I went back and listened to the episode and I, I knew in my head what I was trying to say, but you're right to the outsider. <laughs> you're right. When it's just saying, well, you can't put it back. It is absolutely true. Now I may surprise you when I say that my response is not going to be that woodworkers are such a small percentage because while the woodworker like you and me and my co-host may be a small percentage, there's a lot of other people that consume wood. Um, the commercial industry is using wood left and right and all over the place. And those really, really unusual species that maybe we tend to think it, you know, only for that weekend woodworker. The reason that we're actually getting access to those is because there is some sort of wider demand for it. Um, the, the species that have absolutely no demand at all are generally not being felled. And for that matter, the stuff that's being felled that's being allowed by the concessions is actually what's creating the market. So in some instances, can you say that's the tail wagging the dog or the other way around? I'm not sure. But, you know, there there has been a market for certain species in the past. So concessions make room for those particular species. But there's like 20 other species in their particular concession that they're not felling because there's absolutely no market for it. Or more importantly, the market is so low. Um, for example, the price per log is cheaper than what it would actually cost to extract the tree and haul it out of the forest. So they keep that tree in there as part of a feed tree, cedar tree, shade trees, et cetera, for the betterment of that particular concession. So that point aside, the biggest 
misconception that I run into on a daily basis about, we'll just call them rainforest woods or, or woods that, you know, we say are contributing to deforestation. I wish this were the case that you could say, all right, don't use that anymore. And therefore the forest will be protected. Unfortunately, most of these forests, their role in life, in the economy of that government, of that guy that owns the land, is to produce lumber. That is where their value lies. Now, we, in our first world, you know, let's just call it what it is, high and mighty pedestals can look down and go, oh, you're deforesting the rainforest. But the poor guy who needs to feed his family or, you know, in a third world country, this is his investment. And the minute that that the lumber on that investment is worth nothing, he or she is going to sell that to someone who can use it for something. And the number one cause of deforestation in the world is not the lumber industry. Far from it. It's the cattle. It's tearing down these forests to make land for grazing. Um, because the minute that species, and we actually saw this with genuine mahogany, it was heartbreaking. CITES restricted genuine mahogany, and it made a lot of the genuine mahogany forests completely unharvestable for like 20 years. And the guy that owned that land is like, well, crap, what am I going to do now? And he sold it to a cattle rancher. The cattle rancher tore down the genuine mahogany, and now it's cattle land. It's grassland for the, you know, the, 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 the cows to eat and cows gotta eat yeah and you know you don't want to necessarily that's important too right i mean that's part of the, the the global side of things but the problem is when a species becomes listed on cites and you know cites appendix two we're going to control the regulation in order to prevent this species from becoming endangered again the species is not endangered it just may become endangered unless things change that's what cites says to stop buying it eliminates the market for it and then that's when things get really bad. If there's no market at all, that lumber, those trees, that forest loses its value as a lumber producing commodity. And, you know, it, I get it. You know, I, I like to hug trees, too. And, you know, just saying that out loud <laughs> makes me feel like kind of ewe on the inside. But macroeconomics, everybody has a product and company countries, I should say, have large export products that they rely upon. Brazil relies upon the export of lumber products. It's one of their larger exports. And if you suddenly cut all that off or we suddenly stop buying that, that's a major problem for that country. So it's going to find another way to make money. And we always need stuff, we need land to grow food or to feed the cattle. And that's what happens. And that's why we're seeing so much of this going to cattle ranching. That's why we see so much land um, uh, freed up for like palm oil plantations or pulp plantations to produce other type products that slow growing, slow growing, slow turnover hardwood forests can't do. You know that you can't get a quick buck. This actually relates not only in the jungles but into domestic. And there's been an article that's been floating around the internet a lot lately about a lot of folks in the South who quote unquote invested in Southern yellow pine plantations. They sunk a whole bunch of money in it. This was going to be their retirement plan. And guess what? 20 years later, it ain't worth anything because the market has dropped. And a lot of the, the reasons for using the Southern yellow pine have gone into other things, maybe engineered products or composite products, or just not using wood at all. And now those trees are not worth what it costs to actually cut them down and remove them. So there's these private landowners who are now saying, all right, well, I guess I'll sell it to somebody else. They'll cut it down and use it for 
soybeans or something like that. So here is a forest that's been growing for multi-generations now here in North America, in the United States, who's falling um, victim to the same thing. There is no market for that particular hardwood or softwood or whatever it is. So you find a way to make that investment worth something. So that's what I was trying to get at. And I apologize if that wasn't clear, but the minute that we stop buying something because, oh, it's CITES listed, you're going to dramatically devalue that commodity, whatever it is. And eventually you may see that forest getting cut down for something else that's not lumber. There you go. It's really crazy with how complex these things are. Oh, good and, Lord. Yes. You know, I never did very good like with economics, which is why I never really took that stuff in college. But it, you know, when you're looking at secondary tertiary effects, thinking downstream, what could happen? That's an interesting perspective that I would have never thought of. It's like taking tree bad, you know, keeping tree good. But then you think about what might actually happen to that place uh, that, that can't make money on those trees anymore. Yeah. Then all the trees go away. Like that's an outcome. I don't think the average person thinks about to that level, at least. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can take it another level. There's another article that I was presented about um, uh, the Chinese. I mean, that's 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 a tough one because they're importing. Mm-hmm. They, they just don't care. Um, <laughs> there are no <laughs> laws in China that that prevent the import of illegal lumber. They are a signatory on the CITES convention, but there technically are no laws in China that says that you can't do it. So it's like, oh yeah, that's CITES protected. Whoop-de-doo, you know? But the reason they're bringing in all this lumber is certainly they have a lot of growing um, middle class there as well. If you guys have seen the movie Crazy Rich Asians, there's a good example. There's this exploding middle class that's buying a lot of high quality stuff. But at the same time, think about all the cheap, crappy furniture we buy in this country. It's all made in China. And you know, we can, we can point our finger at the Chinese all day and go, oh man, you got to stop, you know, bringing in illegal lumber. They're bringing it in and make stuff to ship to us. You know? So if we yeah. stop consuming cheap furniture, then the Chinese won't need to bring in all this illegal lumber to make it. So it's like this, this vicious circle that, that, you know, no one is blameless at this point. And it all comes down to how are people making their money? And, you know, somewhere there's a supply in there. And if that, that value of the end product um, exceeds, or excuse me, doesn't exceed the cost that it takes to, to get the actual raw materials, then the whole thing just dies off. So yeah, it's definitely a butterfly effect that you got to think about. Wild stuff. Okay. So let's, uh, let's get into our email. Uh, let's plow through these running a little bit long. Tony Kluka wrote in, he says, "Raid alarm saws. I picked one up for free. Great shape. What are your thoughts on these? Great tool, useful waste of space. Thanks. Uh, I, we've, we must have talked about this uh, in the past, so hopefully what I say doesn't conflict with what I've said in the past. I think they're okay. I think if you have one that's working well, you know how to use it, you understand the safety concerns that a radio alarm saw might bring, but also uh, the potential advantages. I have kind of always said, keep them if you have one. But if you don't have one, I wouldn't go out of your way to seek one. And I think they've just fallen out of favor uh, because most of us sort of have combinations of either a sliding compound miter saw or a table saw or a crosscut sled at the table saw. We've just got all these other ways to get the most common jobs done. But there are still people who, like, they've got the radial arm saw. They use it all the time. It works great, and they love it, uh, and they aren't inclined to sell it anytime soon. So I think if you are one of the folks who sees the use in it and you understand the nuance of it, go for it, man. Make You've got a good... uh, a good price on it. Wait, he said free. So that's a really good price. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead and throw a good blade on there. Do some research on, on, you know, tips for cutting safely with it and then use it. 
you know, until, until there's a reason not to. So I say go for it. Very, very quick answer on that one today. Right on. This one's from Kevin. Um, says he's in central Virginia. I have some stacks of lumber that I've sawn, stickered, and stored in a barn to dry three or four years ago. The barn is dry inside and has good airflow. Now I'm ready to add some storage racks in the barn and get these piles off the floor. My question is, do I need to maintain the stickering when I move the lumber to the new racks? Some of this lumber will probably live in the racks for several years before it's used. Thanks for your input. So, um, it won't hurt. That's the easy answer. It won't hurt to keep them stickered. I mean, that will, it will use up more space. My concern is that, um, even though there's good airflow, we are talking about central Virginia. It's hot and humid down there. It's hot and humid here. It's just hot and humid all over the East coast. You're talking about a non-climate controlled barn. Anything you can do to encourage more air movement would probably be better. So, I would still say keep the stickers in place if that stuff's not going to sit there for a while. Um, Excuse me, if that stuff is going to sit there for a while. But at the same time, um, think about banding it um, or weighting it down. Matt, you had actually said this a couple episodes ago. You weight it down. Again, making sure that your racks are level so you don't bend it into a a bow. You know, so you've just yeah. weighted it down and now are forcing <laughs> to steam bit into something. So you want to check, make sure your racks are level. Go ahead. For that matter, make sure your stickers are of uniform size. Um, I see that around the lumberyard yeah. sometimes. Where there's a, there's bolsters on, on two ends and there's a sticker in the middle. And there's this nice, lovely smiley face created in that 20 foot long lumber <laughs> that, that generally turns into somebody yelling at somebody else going, go fix that. But once, if you've got it level and you've got it sticked, you're going to encourage that airflow. But if you can take it one step further and like, you know, weight it or like run some strap banding around it, kind of long-term storage that will help keep it flatter while also allowing that airflow. Okay. That's good. And nicely done. done. Drop Matt. <laughs> All right. It's from Jeffrey it says, what are the options for putting shelves in a case? Uh, I just lost it. I looked away for a second. Anyway, <laughs> I always, I always only can think of two options. The first being the cleats on the side, similar to what I'm doing right now. Me, Matt, and the other is the IKEA furniture. That's cut off. We'll put this in here. Uh, <laughs> IKEA style furniture. Okay, IKEA style furniture style with round pin in a hole supporting the shelf. Am I missing something, or the, or are the options? Four shelves, that limited. Wow. It's always somebody else's <laughs> fault, isn't it, Mark? What is it with this kid? It must be, because that was, that was a really complex, simple question. <laughs> All right, Why sorry. do I even do this show? I don't know, man. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing with your life? I'm not bringing any value, so I don't know why I'm even here. <laughs> uh, y'all, you, th- there's more value than you realize, sir. Okay, great. The joke's on me. I get it. Don't worry. I'm following along. I'm right there with you. <laughs> You're my fall guy. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, So I'll be interested to hear what uh, anyone else has to say about this, but really the only thing I've ever seen is really the two options, either your shelf pins, so you got your little dowel pins that get inserted inserted into actual holes in the case, there's different diameters of those as well, and then the other way is a shelf standard, and there are commercially made metal ones you can install into a case as well as the wooden ones. Uh, like I'm doing now, I have the semicircles, and then the other really common one is the sawtooth style. Uh, but I haven't really seen anything besides that, I guess. Shelf pins are standards. That's like the only two options I've ever seen. Yeah, or some kind of play on that. Um, but pre-show, uh, I think Shannon mentioned like green and green. 
if you go to shoot, there's a video I did on the Thorson house with Daryl Peart. He kind of gave us a tour. We show the bookcase and inside there, you kind of see some of the stuff they did in the shelves and it's all just variations on a theme, you know? So they're making the standard way of, of putting shelves into a case, just a little more elaborate, a little bit more fun, you know? So there are things you can do, but I don't know that they're going to be, you know, super unique, you know, <laughs> like, what, what, like, I don't know. I don't know what other systems could be out there that wouldn't just be a visual play on what we already have. Right. Yeah. I mean, you've got some sort of pen, like a tenon essentially, or yeah. you've got some kind of bracket system, you know, otherwise they're fixed shelves. So yeah. Put them in dados. There <laughs> yeah, we go. Or glue cleats to the side of the case. You could use magnets, floating shelves. Ooh. Oh, that we need. Ooh. I've got to suspend on this bunk bed. I've got to put a couple of uh, shelves just between two very big three and a half inch square legs. And it's got me thinking of like unconventional ways that, that you could do something that isn't as boring as like a shelf pin. Chewing gum. Right. Play That could be good. Really, really strong gum. Drawers. There you go. That sounds fun. Not. <laughs> All right. So uh, if you want to help support the show, there are a number of ways you could do that. Uh, one of those is actually, you know, tell a friend. You got a woodworking buddy, say, hey, check out these three chumps. They're kind of fun sometimes. And uh, you can head to any directory that, that allows you to leave reviews for podcasts. You can head there and just leave us a review. We always appreciate that. iTunes is one of those. And I, I don't have iTunes open, so we won't read a review today. Uh, Shannon, why don't you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. I humbly will do so. With no snark. What's up? Better. Uh-huh. Jerk. If you want your opportunity to be snarky with us, you can do it by sending us a voicemail. You can record in your voice memo app and email that to woodtalkonline at gmail.com or you can type it out on our fancy contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact. Or just go to the episode that you liked, leave a comment at the bottom, and we appreciate it. We always appreciate the feedback. The show is based on your feedback. So you can leave us feedback on Instagram at Wood Talk Show or on Twitter at Wood Talk Show, as well as on Facebook. I think we look at that every now and then. Sure. Most of the Facebook notifications for Wood Talk are, your post is trending well. You should boost it. (laughs) This is performing better than 99% of your other posts. Well, no kidding. Because we're terrible. All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye. Because we're terrible. (laughs) Because we're...